The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $500 risk-free bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. And next, we're brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home for free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. And next, we're brought to you by OddsCrowd. Are you the best football better in the U.S.? OddsCrowd challenges you to prove it with their free play Fantasy betting contest. Over $30,000 up for grabs over this season. Go to oddscrowd.com to sign up. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN has given you a chance to win $100,000 in the NFL Week 1 exclusively only on the SGPN app. So make sure you download that in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Hi, Lee Ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 68, and I'm actually going to appease my former host this time, even though I denied him the hockey legend to dedicate the episode to last time. We'll dedicate episode uh, 68 to Mario Lemieux, who wore number 68, so he finally got his hockey guy. Um, And maybe I'm doing that because I'm in such a good mood today because, as you guys know, this past weekend or yesterday at the time of recording was UFC Vegas 35, Chikadze versus Edson Barboza, and we were red hot at that event. We will, of course, be getting to a breakdown of that event, a breakdown of our gambling results and all that kind of stuff. Um, But before we do, uh, I just want to remind you guys to follow us on the MMA Gambling specific feed now because we are not always going to be on the Sports Gambling Podcast feed. In fact, you can usually only get about half of our episodes there now, so make sure you subscribe to the MMA Gambling specific one wherever it is you download your podcast. Leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. And also remember that you can find all of our musings, our writings on football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport you want, as well as MMA over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, SG.PN. And, uh, of course, you can check out MMA-Manifesto as well, where me and the usual host, uh, Jeff Fox, have all of our writing. He's the owner-operator of the site as well, and you can check out some of this stuff over there. Now, you know, I've mentioned his name a bunch of times. I've told him uh, that he's our usual host, Juicy Jeff Fox, but that, of course, means he is not with us today. Joining me today as a fill-in, once again, is Kurt Chase Patrick. You know him as the host of the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben. Uh, Kurt, thanks again for filling in on his uh, extended vacation. As always, man, it's a pleasure. Love talking fights with you, so uh, you can go on vacation as much as he wants, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure he wouldn't mind that either. Um, I know, right? I actually wish I could go on vacation as much as I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. He has he has taken two or three of them, and, and in the meantime, I think I've taken zero of them. So we might have to we might have to fix that. Anyway, um, so I, on that note, before we get to breaking down the event, because it is an awesome event. 
The UFC did break a little news during the broadcast of UFC Vegas 35. They announced the title fight between uh, Colby Covington and Kamara Usman that I think we all knew was coming and was pretty much, you know, like, while not officially announced by the UFC, all but officially announced by the UFC. We knew it was coming. We knew when it was coming. You know, they, they gave us uh, Gagey Chandler, which we kind of knew was coming and we thought was coming and, you know, was pretty much everything we've expected. But the one thing they gave us that we didn't expect was the co-main event of that UFC 268 card, which is supposed to happen at Madison Square Garden. We'll see where the world is at at that point and whether or not it is actually in Madison Square Garden. But the one thing they didn't give us, or they surprised us with rather, is that Rose Namajunas is going to be defending her title in that co-main event against Weili Zhang, which, uh, you know, Weili Zhang, obviously, former champ. She beat Ioana Jan Jacek. She beat uh, Jessica Andrade. Uh, so, obviously, she's a legit threat, but she is coming off of being head kicked, knocked out pretty brutally by Rose Namajunas in, in a kind of one-sided fight. So, I, I want to get your first reaction on this fight announcement. What did you think of their choice to go back to Weili Zhang when, no offense, Carla Esparza sitting right there? Uh, not a big fan of it, man. I mean, the fight is fine. I definitely think the fight can be uh, a, a whole bunch different than the first one, but uh, they didn't have to go back to it so quick. I mean, you have the Carla Esparza fight. Uh, it's a big story, right? Carla's been on a roll lately. She finished Yan Xianan in her last fight. She beat Rose for the inaugural uh, UFC strawweight title. So there's history there, right? You could have done that fight. And now the thing is, if you if if Weili Zhang does lose this fight, I mean, she's got to go way, way down the pecking order. So you're kind of like eliminating a contender right away. Now, if she wins the fight, that's all for naught. But again, if she loses... Uh, you could still do. I mean, let's say let's say uh, Weili Zhang loses, and then Carla Esparza randomly loses a fight. I mean, I guess it depends on who Carla were to you lose to. But I just feel like everything looked to be set in stone. Should have given Carla the fight with the backstory. Give uh, Weili another fight. I don't have the rankings in front of me like I should. But Yoani on Jacek was right there. The rematch with Yoani on Jacek was the fight to make for you Weili Zhang. Much better, much better rematch. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, the fight will be fine. Um, I do think it could be a completely different fight, but I, I just don't think the timing is right. Yeah, dude. Do do Carla versus Rose for the strap and rematch Zhang Weili and Joanna, and boom. We're yeah, good. And, and that fight was a fight of the year fight, right? The Weili Zhang, Joanna, and Jacek fight was insane. Um, and, and Probably so the best female fight ever, right? It, it's up there for me, yeah. I, I, and, I, you know, I'll say this. I, when I was watching that fight, and, and I've watched it a bunch of times because I really do love it, and I've watched Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald like a hundred times too, I actually think there were less down moments in Yuan Yan Jacek versus Wei Li Zhang. Like, there's a couple of spots in that third round of uh, Robbie Lawler, Rory Mack that, that is a little dull and they, they kind of are plodding a little bit. There's none of that in Wei Li Zhang versus Yuan Yan Jacek. It's nonstop action. Why would you not be looking to cash in and run that one back? And you could do it as a fight night headliner, make it five rounds anyway, and it's still good. And yeah, like, I'll say this too. My my first reaction when I saw that is there must be something wrong with Carla. Like, th- this is clearly a, a move because Carla's not ready on time. And Carla immediately tweeted out, like, the guy with his hands up emoji uh, right away. Like, I yeah, I don't know what happened. And, like, a little heartbreaking so, like, clearly it wasn't that she wasn't ready. It wasn't that she didn't want the shot. It wasn't that she wasn't on their timetable. 
It's that they decided to go this way, and I really hate it. And here's the other thing I'll say, too. They've got a fight coming up between uh, Marina Rodriguez and Mackenzie Dern. Let's say Mackenzie Dern goes out there and absolutely steamrolls Marina Rodriguez, goes out there, flashy submission. We know how much they love to sell Mackenzie Dern. What chances do you give her to leapfrog Carla for the shot after that? Yeah, I mean, at this at this point, uh, I mean, it could be very high. They definitely love Mackenzie Dern. She's been on a roll lately. She's looked much better. So, yeah, I mean, if she – and Marina Rodriguez is a stud too. I mean, either one of these ladies, if they can pull something, you know, crazy out of their hat and get a big win, they could jump Carla. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's very unfortunate for Carla. I don't think they should have went with the rematch. I think it puts Whaley in a very bad spot as well if she doesn't win this fight. Um so yeah, not not the best matchmaking. We do heap a lot of praise on the UFC's matchmaking for a good reason, but this one kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, and, and my last statement on this before we move on to talking about the actual fights is that so R- Rose Namajunas, just a, a fun fact. If you look back at her her list of fights dating back to November fourth of twenty seventeen, okay, so we're we're talking almost four full years ago. She will have fought three women in that time. She fought Yuani on Jacek, Yuani on Jacek, Jessica Andrade, Jessica Andrade, Weili Zhang, and get this, now again, Weili Zhang. So four years, she's fought three women over six fights. Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, it's a weird schedule, and it's weird that they just want to run back rematches for her every single time. But like you said, it's going to be a good fight. It's just maybe not the fight I would make. And, and my heart goes out to Carlos Barza. I did see... Uh, I did see also that, that Lauren uh, Murphy tweeted a response uh, in support of Carla Esparza being like, I know how you feel, um, which is, uh, you know, telling because Lauren Murphy fought for that title shot for a long time before she finally got it. So, yeah, um, unfortunate. It'll work. But uh, in the meantime, it is what it is. So let's get to talking about UFC Vegas 35. But before we do, we should tell you that this episode is brought to you by WinBet. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. They've got exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. So get in on all of your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. There are great promos, odds, and payouts happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what you need to win. Ready to play, sign up today and receive a special risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com and start winning. All right. UFC Vegas 35 once again took place in the Apex, so we do not have live crowd estimates or anything of that nature. But uh, it went down in the Apex Let's get started right on the main event, because I want to talk about this one fairly extensively. Giga Chikadze uh, picks up... Oh, no, hang on a second. Before we get into Giga Chikadze, let's get into our gambling results, because I completely skipped over that, talking about how mad I was for Carla Esparza. So, um, we've got three sets of recaps this week. Not just my picks, not just Jeff's picks, but we also got Kurt's in the mix today. So, uh, running the picks back, Jeff had the best record. He went nine and four, while both me and Kurt went eight and, or uh, he went nine and three, while both me and Kurt went eight and four. Uh, however, the money lines for people who bet a hundred dollars on every single one of our picks, 
I am the slight leader in this one with a plus 388.07. That's right, 388.07, largely thanks to one rather large underdog who hit, which I'm sure I will be bragging about for the majority of the episode. Jeff finished second with plus 356.89. That was largely thanks to a big win in the main event and co-main event. And uh, Kurt at 8-4 picked up $184.07 as well if you bet $100 on every single one of our picks. So the answer was there really was no wrong move. You could have tailed any one of us. Uh, And that brings our yearly odds, me versus Jeff at least. Um, He's got the slightly better record, but I am now up a little bit over $600 on him. We are both pretty much on heaters here. I'm 26 and 11 in my last 27, or 37 rather, and he is 23 and 14 in his last 27. That was the last three weeks. So in the last three weeks, we've I've only lost 11 fights. He's only lost 14. Kurt's only lost four. So uh, there's no time than better. There's no better time than right now to start uh, following us. So, yes, uh, make sure that you follow our picks. Those will be out for the next event, of course, on Wednesday. Um, All right, now we can get to the main event because I really want to talk about Giga Chikaze. Uh, Giga Chikaze picks up a big third-round TKO over Edson Barboza. Seemed like he won the first. There was seemingly a coin flip kind of second round. And in the third round, he came out absolutely ferociously Tagged Edson with about eight things and eventually gets a TKO uh, on the second straight knockdown he gets of him. Man, just uh, l- let's just go with with the, just your reaction to what we saw from Giga Chikadze and what he did in a uh, largely a hundred percent of striking match with Edson Barboza. Yeah, I, dude, I'm extremely impressed with Giga, and I showed I think he showed a lot of different uh, elements of his game. Right, we know he's a great striker. Um, we all pretty much predicted that whether you lean particular Giga or towards Barboza, that this was going to be uh, an absolute beauty on the feet, which it was. And, you know, Giga, like, he started off kind of patient. It was it was a, a chess match. I mean, these guys, dude, every time one of them threw a kick, I was having flashbacks of uh, Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva breaking their legs. Um, I think that fight kind of scarred me, dude. Every time I was like, <laughs> especially these low calf kicks, man. And, and these guys were throwing – just as hard as they And they could. were checking, they were checking them so kicks. well, too. The checks oh, were dude. so scary. <laughs> I know, man. I, I, I was getting a little queasy in there. But thankfully, nothing happened to either of their, their legs. Nothing at least traumatic. Um, you know, and then at the end of the first round, he kind of, like, turned it on. And I was like, whoa, like, this, this, this guy's for real. He kind of – I forget if he hurt Edson or even stumbled a little bit at the end of the first. But then, yeah, dude, the second round, Edson comes back. And, and I was like, man, is, is – Giga's starting to slow down a little bit. Edson kind of took the momentum. Again, he was checking kicks. He was, you know, answering back and firing back. And then the third round, like you said, Giga came back out and completely dispelled that notion that he was slowing down at all and comes out and finishes Edson. He puts him on, on wobbly legs. And Edson, to his credit, is just such a tough dude. He's able to, to kind of keep his head about and, and keep himself in the fight for as long as he could. But Giga ends up finishing him. That's a big win. Edson Barboza, like I just said, is a notoriously uh, durable guy. His resume is absolutely insane. And for Giga Chikadze to go out there and finish Barboza on the feet in, in, in what was a, again, a striking firefight is just, uh, I, it's super impressive, man. And he has announced himself to this division, which is stacked from top to bottom. 
Yeah, and the, the interesting thing to me for for this fight too is you're you're right. It does so much for his stock because Edson Barboza's like finally that name he got a win over, right? Like Cub Swanson's got a name, but like most everybody thinks he's past his prime. Edson Barboza is a name that we thought was here right now, and it's a good win. But it's not just that for me. It's that like he went out and beat a guy who has a striking advantage seemingly on everybody he's ever fought. Right, like no, nobody have you ever walked into a fight and been like, well, Edson Barboza might struggle with the striking here, right? Like everybody who's beaten Edson Barboza for the most part wrestles him a little bit, with the exception of maybe that back and forth Paul Felder split decision. Like if, if you're gonna beat Edson, you gotta get after him and change the looks. And he had never changed the looks. I, I mean, although he did try, he did try to get a Doris and an Anaconda at one point too, which. Also was kind of interesting, but, you know, like, he went in there and just put a beat down on him almost 100% in the striking realm. And for me, that's crazy because, like, I've never expected to see Edson at times get, I, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it looked like he was outclassed in there more than, for, for more than one exchange or more than two exchanges or, like, pretty much that old third round. He looked like he was not in the same striking class as Giga Chikadze, which... Uh, obviously just means, like, the sky's the limit for this kid. Well, I shouldn't say kid. He's he's in his early 30s, but he's early in his career. The, the sky seems to be the limit right now for Giga Chikadze, which, of course, begs the question, which I've got to ask next. He said he wants the winner of Volkanovski versus Ortega. He says he's willing to show up. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He <laughs> says he's willing to show up to Vegas and be the replacement if one of them falls out. He he says if that doesn't happen, he wants Max Holloway. What do you what do you do with him if you're booking Giga Chikadze? So, I, dude, I think that Max. I, I, first of all, I don't think he's going to get any sort of step in opportunity. Let's be honest. I mean, this was the nine and ten guy fighting in here. As big of a win as it was for either of these guys, I mean, they're not going to jump the queue over guys like Max Holloway and. Um, you know, some of the other guys in the division. Um, there is a lot of good options for him, though. I do really like the Max Holloway fight. That would be good. But, gun to my head, I still want to see Yair Rodriguez versus Max Holloway. Um, and that is still I, the rumor. I, I really that That's supposed to happen in November. So so then then we it comes a bigger question, right? Is could he, I mean, if Volkanovski's looking to turn around quick or if Ortega's willing to defend in January, maybe Max isn't ready. Maybe the timeline works out for Giga. But, like, I'm looking at the the featherweight rankings here, and, and maybe I should have had these up earlier, but I was looking them up earlier today. And I, I'm not sure that there's anybody, if, like, the timeline didn't work out for the Yair Max winner, I'm not sure there's anybody there that makes more sense than Giga, right? Like, I don't think, you know, Max is in the, so Max is in the fight, Brian Ortega's in the fight, Yair's in the fight, then we got Zombie, which, like, I, I guess maybe Zombie, but, like, he's coming well, off Zombie of just lost. Yeah, so. he got brutalized by Ortega, right? So, and, like, you can't put Giga Chikadze behind Calvin Cater, um, you can't put him, I don't think you can put him behind Arnold Allen right now. So, so here, here's the thing, it's like, I don't, I don't think that he is going to to get the next title shot no matter what. I still think he needs one more big win. But a couple of those names you just mentioned, those are the right next fights for him. And there's four names, in my opinion, that I think you could do for him. The two you just mentioned, which was – or three you just mentioned, I should say. Korean Zombie, 
Calvin Cater or Arnold Allen. Uh, I think would all be acceptable, great fights. The other one for me is Josh Emmett. Remember, Josh Emmett is on a three-fight winning streak. Sadly, he just, I mean, his body just got torn apart in his last fight against Shane Burgos. I think it's got to be any of those three names. Again, Zombie probably has the the biggest name out of them, although he's coming off a loss. I guess one the same as um, Calvin Cater. Dude, I always got to throw my guy Arnold Allen's name in there. I don't know why this guy has been so inactive yeah, and painful. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because he is so freaking good. I mean, he's 17 and one and nobody knows about him, right? Uh, I'm going to throw my name in for, for Arnold Allen. I think that would be a really, really fun matchup. But again, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I think there is a lot of upside for Giga right now. I just, for me, I don't know if he's going to be able to slide all the way into that next title shot. Cause I mean, we're okay. So let me ask you this. And I'm sorry to be ranting, but, like, where do you rank Giga after this win? He was number 10. God, so after this win, so I'm looking at the rankings right now. He, I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Max Holloway or Brian Ortega. I probably wouldn't put him in front of Yair, right? Cause the, yeah, although Yair doesn't have a ton of big wins recently, right? Like, what's what's Yair's biggest I mean, win? Yeah. Yeah, the number three next to Yair's name is kind of it, questionable. It, it's kind of questionable, right? But then, um, I mean, Chan Sung Jung is is three and one in his last four. Oh, that there's the the win that Yair Rodriguez has that I completely forgot about. He he beat Chan Sung Jung. But that was uh, in what 2019, was it? It was late 2019, and I will just say this: this is the toughest part for me about that fight. Yair Rodriguez lost 24 minutes and 50 yes, seconds did. of that fight. He did. And, and, like, all all Zombie has to do is when he sees Yair Rodriguez beckon him to turn this into a wild firefight, just back away and watch the time expire for 10 seconds, and he wins. Um, yes, so that one's, that one's always going to be painful for me. But I, w- I would def- – put it this way. I would definitely rank him above Calvin Cater. Um Watching Calvin Cater get outboxed by Max Holloway the way that he did, I don't think Calvin Cater would hang with Giga. Um, not on the God feet. Goddamn, would I love to see it, though. Oh, man, it would be violent. But I also, I'll just say this, too, because I love Calvin Cater. I'm, like, a big Calvin Cater fan. He's a Northeast guy. You know how we ride our Northeast guys. But also, like, after he took that beating from Max Holloway, if you have the gall to stick him in there with Giga Chikadze, that sounds like you're trying to end his life earlier. You know what I mean? Like, for for Christ's sake, just give the guy somebody who wants to grapple him and, like, let his brain recover for another nine months. Because, man, dude, that... That was a serious beating. It was a savage beating. So, like, I'd like to see him recover. I think you were right. I, I think, like, the name that makes the most sense for him... If he wants it, – since he, his trajectory is clearly like I want my title shot and I want it now, if he wants that and that's what he wants, I think a headliner against Chan Sung Jung makes the most sense for that. If we're talking about like what I would like to see to like answer some more questions and actually push up a contender, I think you're right. Arnold Allen makes more sense in that case because Arnold Allen, while inactive, is on also like a six or seven fight win streak or whatever it's been. I think he's actually more. He might have the longer streak. It might be nine for him. Arnold Allen's on a big, long winning streak. If you could get those two in a main event, the winner of that would be certainly justified to ask uh, probably for a title shot or a Max Holloway fight. But like for for Giga, if he wants to try to like capitalize on this win and move himself up the rankings and take the fight that's right for Giga rather than the one that's 
you know, kind of right for the rankings or kind of right for developing contenders. I think it's Chan Sung Jung in like a, a main event of something. And, and you know, Chan Sung Jung has a way of turning away prospects who think they're ready for the top anyway, right? Like he just did that to Dan Ige. Dan Ige thought he was ready for the top echelon and he was not ready for Chan Sung Jung. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say Chan Sung Jung in a main event – and I would probably rank him right around Chan Sung Jung, and then I would say uh, Arnold Allen is a fine backup plan should he get in. Um, but the, I, I guess now I want to ask, what do you think about Edson Barboza? Because he was on a nice little run, two and zero at featherweight, three and zero if you or two and one at featherweight, three and zero if you you count the Danny Gay fight, which I think he clearly won. And now he takes this kind of really damaging loss that that makes it look like you know he's not the best striker in the division and he doesn't really have a whole lot of other tools right like so he's now resigned himself to not being the best striker and you know by and far not having like the best balanced game plan what do we do next for Edson Barboza is it try to find another fun striking matchup what what, what are we doing here I think at this point it's probably uh, you try to put him in fun matchups, right? Because he's getting up there in age. He's been in so many wars. So, you know, is the title shot realistic for Edson Barbosa at this point? If he won this win, or if he won this fight, he's probably on track, again, not to get a title fight, but where Giga is now to put him in position for a big fight. Um, dude, I just said his name before about Giga Chikadze, but man, rank number seven, Josh Emmett coming back. I, I think that could be absolute fireworks. Um, I think a fight like that makes sense. Again, Josh Emmett, you know, a Edson Barbosa would be a big name on his resume. On the flip side, you beat Josh Emmett, and again, you still kind of keep yourself relevant. I think a fight like that for Edson Barbosa makes a ton of sense. Because, like, do I want to see him go in there and fight a guy like, even if you look a little bit further down, like Movsar Ivaloev? No, I don't. I'd no, rather see that'd him be fight boring as hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather see him fight a guy like you know Josh Emmett. Give him a fun fight because um, you know Josh Emmett's going to go out there and bang with him. Yeah, um, that's I, that's what I like, want. Dude, maybe maybe even a Dan Ige rematch because I thought he won that first fight. Yeah, I, I want to see him in there with somebody who's going to throw with him and who's not afraid to throw with him and like. Is it out there? Like, I don't want to see him against Bryce Mitchell either. Like, no offense to Bryce Mitchell. No, but like, I don't want to the, see that. The, the thing about a fight with Bryce Mitchell is that if he fights Bryce Mitchell, if Mitchell gets him down, it's over. If Mitchell doesn't get him down, it's over. Um, because Bryce Mitchell is not going to strike with Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza is not going to grapple with Bryce Mitchell. It's like a complete mismatch in two different parts of the game. Same kind of with Evloev. Like, Evloev isn't going to be able to stand on the feet with Edson Barboza, but he's got pretty good takedown offense, and he's probably going to pin him against the cage and make it boring. Um, you know, like, the Shane Burgos fight was a perfect fight for Edson Barboza because he's a guy who's going to stand and bang with him. I think you're right. I think Josh Emmett does that, too. Um, I, I think Dan Ige does that in a rematch if you want that. Sadiq Youssef wouldn't be an awful play either. Yeah, that would be a nice match. And, and he's coming off of a loss to Arnold Allen, which is uh, obviously not a bad loss for him, but he's a guy who, who has got no interest in wrestling with you either. So, yeah, uh, a lot of fun fights for Edson Barboza. If he wants to stay relevant, Josh Emmett or somebody of that nature is probably the right answer. But, uh, honestly, I just want to see him in there, you know, showing off his striking, giving us highlights because that's uh, – I think that's pretty much where his career is at. So um, that was absolutely an exciting fight, though. It paid off in every way that we imagined it would. 
Um, and speaking of paying off in every way that you imagine it to, we are brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make your season the best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, Trey Lance opened as a 300-1 to 1 odds to win the MVP this year, and has already been bet down to 75-1. to 1. That means if you bet $100 on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap today for 400 bucks. That's right. That's a 300% return before the season even begins. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for the sports betting world, buy low, sell high. And the average seller on PropSwap makes over 500 bucks a month just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team or player so that you can sell one for a profit and keep the other one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, so uh, let's get to the Ultimate Fighter finales in both the middleweight and bantamweight division. We'll start at middleweight since it was technically the co-main event. Brian Battle goes out there in the first round. Gets grounded a couple of times by Gilbert Urbina, and then similar to Giga Chikadze in the third round, Brian Battle comes out for his second round like a man possessed. He's, his hands were working. He landed a takedown of his own. His grappling looked filthy, and I don't know if it was Urbina running out of gas or if it was like a change of intentions by Battle that was clearly paying off. What what did you see as the big change in that second round? Do you think it was the gas tank, or do you think was it was just the forward pressure of battle? I think it was a little bit of both, man. And you could see kind of towards the end of the first round, like Urbina started off uh, really good. I was actually, uh, you know, I was feeling kind of good about my pick because I did pick Urbina. I'm a kind of flip-flop with that, that one, you know. I don't want to say that I underestimated battle you know I definitely underestimated him in, in his semifinal win when he got a, a big win over Andre Petrovsky but you know it, it seemed like Urbina kind of blew his load a little bit early he did take this fight on a uh, short notice Ten man days. Brian Ten days is battle crazy. dude I mean he showed it again he showed it in his in his fight with Andre Petrovsky where he was kind of you know, getting beat up a little bit. Even when he fought Cameron uh, Lechnov on the show, you know, he was taking punches and he had to weather the storm. The guy is just tough as hell. Um, he keeps his head about him, and man, his skills are just getting better and better. And it's crazy. This guy had his MMA debut five years ago with no combat sports background. And maybe that's like the best, uh, you know, palette for combat sports because he's learning everything as he comes in. So he's learning the striking as he goes. He's learning the wrestling. He's learning the grappling. And he's put together a really nice, well-rounded game, man. Uh, I, I've just been really impressed with Brian Battle uh, throughout. And now, again, he gets uh, – he's the damn ultimate fighter. Say what you want about the ultimate fighter, but the guy is a stud. He, he looked really freaking good. Yeah, and it was a fun fight to watch. The other thing I will say about Brian Battle, too, is that, like, so he in that win over Andre Petrovsky in the semifinals that you mentioned before, that choke was very slick. Uh, little, little, like, modified guillotine, uh, like, ninja choke looking action on Petrovsky gets the tap after, like, basically moving to a almost a mounted position. It was It was a very weird position, but regardless... Brian Battle got a very sneaky submission there. Here against Urbina, another very nice-looking submission because he's on the chin of Urbina. And if you heard the post-fight interview, he shouted out Craig Jones, grappling guru that he worked with all the time in the Ultimate Fighter house, 
for just showing him that even if it's on the chin, just squeeze those elbows together and you're going to do enough damage to that dude's jaw to get him to tap anyway. And, like, that's exactly what he did. So the other really interesting thing to me about Brian Battle, and maybe the most interesting thing is, this guy largely has thought of himself as a striker his whole career. He came into the Ultimate Fighter saying he was a striker. And in back-to-back fights, he's tapped out guys who are submission specialists, who are guys who are damn good on the ground. And it took, like, what, six weeks of working with Craig Jones? And, like, all of a sudden, he's an animal on the mats, dude. Yeah, dude, he is. He he is. Dude, he's just, he's just well-rounded, man. He just... Seems like he seems like he's just one of those guys that's like a sponge. He can take a punch, he can dish it out, he keeps his head well, he's got good cardio, he's obviously got good wrestling and grappling. I just think that uh dude, he, he he's really freaking good and I think he's been underestimated throughout this whole little ultimate fighter run, but I think after last night people are kind of uh a little bit woke to Brian Battle. I definitely am, am very, very positive in that he is a, a legit prospect. He's not too old either, despite the fact that he got a late start in MMA. I think they said he was 25 or 26 years old, um, which is still pretty young. Here's my question for you, though. Being that he is still pretty young, he is coming off the Ultimate Fighter, he doesn't have the longest resume in history. I'm not looking for a specific name here, but I'm asking – do you run him up against a guy who might be in the top 20, 25 to see what he's got right now? Or are you looking for another guy, I don't know, maybe on a debut or just, you know, also 1-0 in the UFC or, you know, even just like running him back against Trajan Gore like it should have happened on this show? Like, do you want to keep him with the newbies for a little bit? Or are you interested in seeing right now maybe if he could beat somebody in that like top 25? So I think it it all it it depends too on like what these guys do after the Ultimate Fighter, right? Do they go down to 170? Do they stay at 185? You know, some, sometimes the guys they just take they enter the Ultimate Fighter at their weight class. I mean, we saw you know even going back to Ultimate Fighter one, like Diego Sanchez, Kenny Florian, they fought yeah. at 185. They both went down in weight. I I think if neither of these guys are going down, or maybe they both go down together, who knows, but I think Trayshawn Gore, that is the fight to make, that's the fight we are supposed to get, uh, which would have been a really good fight, I think Trayshawn matched up really well with Brian Ballon, I would have liked to see, you know, that for three rounds, but I think that's the fight uh, that you need to make next. Um, hey, can I, uh, can I bash Tapology for a second? Sure, yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, why, 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 why is Gegard Mousasi ranked 19th in the world? Dude, I just had this discussion with Ben on my podcast last week. I think you can legitimately, and I don't want to get too far off topic. Uh, we can move on after this. But I legitimately think you could rank him number two in the world. Obviously, Robert Whitaker would have something to say about that. But anybody else, my money is on Gegard Mousasi. I don't know why. And that's that's the crazy thing. It's like you talk about 19 or top 20 in the world. I mean, Gegard Mousasi is ranked number 19 in the world, which is absolutely wild. He should be uh, top five at the very least. But back on the Brian battle. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I want to touch. I want to touch on the Gegard Mousasi thing for two right, seconds, please, too, because because I, I will say this in defense of the people who work for Tapology, not of the site in general, but of the people who work. So the the Tapology rankings are based on stuff that users have submitted. Okay, Um, so so it's a user's problem. So I'm going to say most of the problem here is that, like, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. It's the UFC bias, right? Like, Gegard Mousasi, not in the UFC, and they've got him ranked, dude, basically at the same level as Ian Heinisch. 
And do you know what? Right, Jaeger, except... do, you know, do you know what Jaeger and Musashi do to Ian Heinish? <laughs> like terrible, terrible, terrible things. Um, so yeah, like I, I imagine, you know, like he, dude, he's only. He's only seven spots ahead of Zach Cummins. Like, like exactly. It's it's a hundred percent that just like when you're in Bellator, or you're in PFL or whatever you're in, that's not the UFC. The the guys who are the the fans who are ranking it are just like forgetting to put you on there because that that's uh, you're right. That is egregious. I'm glad you brought it up though. I love a good tangent, especially when defending. Gegard Mousasi, who uh, who is criminally underrated, and how could that dude? Who left the UFC on a five fight win streak over Talos Lidis, Tiago Santos, Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, and Chris Weidman. Uh, it's a crazy run. And before that, I think the only thing that breaks that up from making it a longer win streak, I think, was the submission loss to Jacare. Um, well, he had that, like, and then he had the the crazy. Uh, oh, the Uriah Hall. Yeah, Uriah finish. Hall fight, which he which he. Uh, yeah, and, and his only loss was that really razor thin decision to Rafael Lovato. Other than that, he's on like a dude. He's like one his last like nine out of uh, ten or ten out of eleven, something crazy like that. Yeah, that's that, that is criminal. But yeah, good tangent because we should always be defending Gegard Mousasi in his uh, his legacy. Because man, that that fight with John Salter was was pretty damn good on his part too. So anyway, yeah, all right, let, let's let's get back to Battle uh, Intervena. You got anything else to to add about this contest? No, I don't. I th- I, again, I thought it was a is a really good fight. Um, it, we we get to I'll bring up a point later after we finish all these ultimate fighter fights. But yeah, it was a very 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 good fight, uh, and I'm very happy for Brian Battle. I think he's uh, I think he's gonna be a player in a couple of years. I think I think he's gonna be in some really interesting fights. Yeah, and I agree with you. I like him against Trajan Gore. I don't think he is going to cut down to 170 because that dude is massive. He looks huge. Yes. Yeah, he's a big dude. Um, I'll also say this though too, just because we were looking at those middle rate rankings on Tapology. Dude, like I said, Ian Heinish, like two or three spots behind Gegard Mousasi. I might be interested in picking Brian Battle to beat Ian Heinish right now. Yeah. Like, he's within that range. So, like, that just goes to show you where those rankings are at. Because, like, this guy 1-0 coming off the Ultimate Fighter, uh, I've got him against the, the guy that is ranked 21st in those <laughs> rankings. So, exactly. uh, all right, let's talk about the other finale, which was Ricky Tercios. In a split decision, which we had a few of these on the night, uh, all of them seemed unjustified. Um, Ricky Tercios uh, defeated Brady Highstand in a split decision, 29-28, 28-29, What did you think about the judges' scorecards, and what did you think the score was going into seeing the cards? I I thought that Tercios deserved the win pretty clean. I uh, He was doing really good work on the feet. Obviously, Brady was landing big, but here's the thing. The big thing for me, and we saw it in the first round, like, Brady Highstand got some takedowns, but dude, Ricky Tercios is extremely active and effective off of his back. He's constantly punching, he's threatening uh, positions, he's threatening submissions, he's able to sweep, he's able to get back to his feet. Um, and who? Uh, one of the broadcasters, I forget, I forget if it was, I think it was Felder last night, uh, made a very good point, and I like what he said. He said, Ricky Tercios makes you fight in every position in the fight. He's constantly trying to fight you. I mean, the guy the guy got his guard passed, and he's still, like, punching, and, 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 you know, he just never stops moving. So I think that while Brady did have some some time on top, 
I think Tercios was able to completely neutralize it. And on the feet, I thought Tercios did more damage. I thought he hurt Brady. Um, I, but perhaps Brady, too. I mean, they, these guys put on a hell of a fight. And if you watch their fights on the Ultimate Fighter, I mean, dude, both of their fights on the Ultimate Fighter as well were just firefights. So, um, and I don't know where Brady goes from here. Uh, I, I'm interested in his career now. And also, obviously, Ricky Tercios, one of my fi- favorite guys off the show, can't wait to see what happens for him next. Yeah, if nothing else, I just want to see his post-fight interviews for the rest of my life because they're amazing. <laughs> yes. um, also, I, I don't know if you saw his pre-fight interview where he was – somebody asked him uh, about how he was feeling today. That, I think it was J- John Morgan, obviously, because he probably had the first question. He just oh, yeah, was like, yeah, how you how you feeling today? And he was like – he, like, paused, stared off into space. His long pauses are the greatest thing in the whole world. And then he goes, he said something about today on this Wednesday, I had a dream where I was eating chicken wings. And I was like, what the fuck kind of answer is Very odd. <laughs> yeah, and it was. He's a fun personality. Though. It was great. Yeah, he was, he was the perfect person to have in an <laughs> Ultimate Fighter house, both in the way that his fights are super exciting and that he's a great personality. I think that point about him making you fight in every single position, though, is so important about him because both you and Jeff took Ricky Tercios to win this fight. I differed. I took Brady Highstand mostly because, you know, if you looked at Ricky's fights in the house, he scrambled better than everybody who tried to wrestle him up. He won those exchanges in the scrambles and won the fights that way, and I just didn't think he'd be able to do that against a guy who's a better wrestler and not only did he do it against the guy who was a better wrestler, but he arguably made Brady Highstand look worse than everybody else he fought um, in those takedown attempts in, in when he was grounded. So, I mean, there were submission attempts. There was everything in every position. I, I, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty clear. I gave Tercios um, rounds one and two, or one and three, and Highstand round two. I will also say if you follow MMADecisions.com and you were looking at the media scores for that one, there were 12 different media outlets who scored this fight. Uh, Ten of them scored Tercios 29-28. One of them gave Tercios every single round, and exactly one of them scored the fight for Brady Highstand. So uh, I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was probably the right call on this one. Um, As a matter of fact, I think all of the split decisions on this card went to the right person. Uh, It was just scary that there were so many split decisions. So... Um, let's actually round out our Ultimate Fighter coverage, and then we'll bounce back up to the welterweight bout between Daniel Rodriguez and Kevin Lee. Andre Petrovsky went in there and fight Mark, Michael Gilmore, and I'll say this. So he wins by TKO in the third round, getting a gift wrapped with 850 elbows to Gilmore's head to finally get the stoppage at 312 of the third round. But I'll say this. I am higher on... I have a higher change in stock on Gilmore after that fight than I do Petrovsky. Because I said Gilmore had the worst chance of anybody on this card. And, dude, he actually looks kind of fun on the feet. What did you think of the fight? Well, dude, I almost had to uh, call out of this show today. If uh, <laughs> Michael Gilmore picked up that one, I would have uh, I would have had to no-show you, man. Uh, after my whole rant about GM3, which we're going to talk about in a second, I-, I went on to rant about Petrovsky as well. Yeah, dude, I... Uh, I was impressed with Michael Gilmore. I thought it was a rough first round, but the work he did in that second round, especially countering, he got just a read on what Petrovsky was doing. And he, uh, I thought there was a mixture of, of, you know, Gilmore getting a read, Gilmore even hurting Petrovsky, Petrovsky tired a little bit. I was like, man, Petrovsky is going to have to dig deep in this third round. Cause I, dude, honestly, 
I thought, and I said it last week, I thought he was going to go through uh, Michael Gilmore in the first round, tear through him like butter. Uh, he did not. Um, but I will say for, for Petrovsky, he got his shit together in that third round. And like you said, he took Gilmore down, laced up that gift wrap, and uh, yeah, he he beat the piss out of him until the fight was stopped. But uh, not the fight I expected on either side. No, a lot of fun, though. And, and I'll say this, too. Like, he said after the fight, in addition to having one of the weirdest post-fight call-outs of all time, um, <laughs> next to Jacob Volkman calling out Obama that time, um, <laughs> th- despite that, he, he said that he was open to fights at welterweight. I really think that's the wrong move for him. Dude, like, he, where the hell is that weight coming out of? Yeah, where? first of all, where's the weight coming out of? And, and secondly... You're already having gas tank problems pretty clearly at 85. So, like, going to 75, that doesn't make that better, dude. Like, and, yeah, he's not, like, the longest or the lankiest 85-er. But, like, you know, for me, I, I think he's got to stay at 85. Um, if he does, again, like, I, I think this is a – he's a clear-cut guy who just needs, like, another up-and-comer, another first-timer, and hopefully somebody – um, with a worse gas tank than him, um, which by the way, 85 has got a couple of, who's the, um, ah, he's the guy with the really long name who's, who came from, uh, EFC, the African promotion there. Uh, I, no, I do. I, I, I he's got an atrocious gas tank. If you, yes. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like we've like, talked about him before. He goes on, by, uh, cha- he goes by champion. His, his nickname is champion, something champion. Ah, it's going to come to me. Hang yeah, on, when it does, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but anyway, regardless of who he fights next, uh, that is a a fun guy who I'm gonna look forward to seeing a little bit more. And you know what? I'm gonna say this: I hope they give Gilmore another fight. Like I, I think he deserves another fight. I think he showed that like he's way better than he looked like on the uh, on the the show. So like, hey, give him another fight. Oh, Dolce Lugiambu. Yeah, I was. Is, I, I didn't want to cut you off, but I found it. <laughs> Dolce yeah. Lugiambula. Yep. That's a, a fight. I would watch him. Dolce Lugiambula versus Andre Petrovsky. See whose gas tank uh, clears out first um, and maybe get Petrovsky a big win. But um, you, you said you wanted to make a point about the ultimate fighter before we move on to the next one. I, I did. So so I'm wondering. So back in the day, uh, with all, and, and one, one other thing, too. It's like I would feel like I was reading on Twitter and, like, once it got to these three ultimate fighter fights, people didn't seem to be as invested as they were with the regular fights on the card, which is a shame because, like I said, dude, I watched the Ultimate Fighter early, and then I took years off because I – whatever you want to say. It was the same just bullshit every single season, right? And then you got the Contender Series, but I felt like this year – and maybe it was because they took a little bit of time off, but I felt like they did a good job. Like I was invested in the guys. I was invested in the fights, and uh, I wish people had shared that. But my other point was, and, may, and again, maybe that's because we're on season 29 of Ultimate Fighter, but nonetheless. Um, my other point was, I wonder how they're going to do it with with the guys that did not make the finals here. Like, are they going to go straight to the Contender Series, or are they just going to have to go back to the regional scene, or are they going to get fights on these upcoming, you know, fight night shows and Apex shows. Because remember back in the day, after Ultimate Fighter, it seemed like everybody and their mother from the show got a fight, right? Whereas this one, it was only Gilbert Urbina because he filled in for Trayshawn Gore and then Petrovsky and Gilmore besides the winners. Yeah, and it's crazy too because I think some of the talent on there 
a hundred percent deserves to get a shot. Like I, I would, agree. I would love to see Mitch, Mitch Raposo get a shot. Um, if not at bantamweight, he could make flyweight. He's good at flyweight as well. I'd love to see Josh Rittenhouse get a fight because that dude is a wily veteran. He used to be the M1 Global Champion. Um, you know, I mentioned before that Ryder Newman guy. I think he's he's got a lot of potential. I'd like to at least see him on Contender Series. These guys, oh Vince Murdoch, who who basically had a UFC contract and yeah. then didn't. Like all of these guys should get a shot. I will shout out that one of these guys already is signed for a fight this upcoming weekend. Um, Jack Shore had his opponent drop out like seven or eight times, and now they're filling in with Ludovic Shaolinian, uh, who you might remember beat Nick Shraposo on the very first fight. So he is getting a shot in the UFC. But yeah, I'm interested too. At the very least, I think a lot of these guys should wind up on the Contender Series and, and give them a real shot again. Um, but like, yeah, I, I used to love, and maybe, maybe you did too. I used to love those cards back in the day where you'd see every guy get a shot pretty much. And it might just be one fight. And if you lost, you were done for good. And it might be two shots. And if you lost either of them, you were done for good. But like, I, I would go back to seeing that, that, that was always exciting for me. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a much different feel for this Ultimate Fighter finale card than shows in the past. But we'll see. I mean, there is the bounce back in Contender Series. Maybe these guys go to Contender Series, um, they get a win, and boom, now they're, you know, they're back and they get their shot in the UFC. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, uh, we'll put a pin in, in the Ultimate Fighter now, and in the meantime, let me quickly tell you that this episode is brought to you by PixWise, the number one home for free sports betting picks, props, and parlays, helmed by a team of trend-watching, gadget-devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction for every game, every day, every sport, all for free. Visit PixWise.com to make your next bet better. PixWise also response, or backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're also brought to you by... Paramount Plus. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Premier Division, the Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Remphone, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The World Games lives here on Paramount+. Plus. All right, so uh, we're going to have to move a little bit quicker through these fights. Daniel Rodriguez and uh, Kevin Lee. Is there much more to say about this fight? Which, by the way, for those of you who didn't know, Daniel Rodriguez won 29-28 on all the judges' scorecards. I was the lone person who picked Kevin Lee in this fight, so uh, I'm definitely going to make it quick. Is there anything much more to say than, like, Look, it, it's a bad idea for him to be fighting at welterweight. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's one of those guys, like, he's he could really benefit from a 165-pound division, but that is not going to happen. Um, and, man, I mean, his two forays up, he's fought just really good guys. I mean, Danny Rodriguez, not a big name, but, man, he is a freaking stud, which he proved last night. Uh, a guy that's just tough, hard-nosed. Danny Rodriguez is also... Very big, and it's not to say that Kevin Lee looked bad or anything last night. I just think he he ran into a better guy. Um, you know, I don't want to see him run back down to 155. I think he should fully commit to the 175 or 170 pound division. I just think it's time to realize that Kevin Lee will probably 
probably never win a title, which is kind of crazy. Kind of like the guy we talked about last week, Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, it, he's never really going to realize that potential. And it's kind of sad, too, because he had that shot against Tony Ferguson. And, and I will say this. I think if he wasn't worn out from the very clear staff infection he had going on, I actually think he might have pulled that fight off um, because he was out wrestling Tony and then he just like basically fell asleep in Tony Ferguson's guard, which is yeah. uh, a silly thing to do. Um, so enough about Kevin Lee and how he disappointed me and everybody in the whole world. Um, Daniel Rodriguez, I'm going to celebrity uh, match this one up for the next fight. What do you think about Daniel Rodriguez versus Santiago Ponzinibbio? Stole my name, my man. Um, yeah, it's so good. It's right there. Ponzinibbio is <laughs> my dude, man. I've been I've been just, just beating the drum on Ponzinibbio uh, forever. It was unfortunate when he, when he was on what an eight fight win streak, and then you know just ran into injury woes. Uh, he looked really freaking good in his last fight against Baeza. Yeah, man, that's a banger of a fight. Uh, since you stole mine, I'll give you one more. How about the guy that uh, Kevin Lee was supposed to fight, Sean Brady? Ooh, yeah. The only thing I'll say about that is is I will say my worry about putting D-Rod in there with a wrestler is that, like, when Kevin Lee had the strength and timing to wrestle him, he did he did win the, the round, right? Like, Kevin Lee won a round against D-Rod when he could wrestle him. Then he either ran out of gas or D-Rod just, like, started to feel his strength and kept better positioning. I'm not sure D-Rod would do that all that well against Sean Brady, but mostly because I don't think anybody would do well against Sean Brady. Um, yeah, Sean Brady so, is a stud, man. Yeah, so I like that one, both, mostly because it would test both guys a little bit in realms that they haven't really been tested in. But I'll, I'll be honest, I just want to see D-Rod slug, dude, because he is – I mean, there's so many guys right there on that edge of that top 15 with, like, him and Nico Price and, like, I mean, you can even throw Mike Perry's dumbass in there, but like all of those guys just go in there and throw, and I love that like run of people. So yeah, give him a guy like like Ponzinibbio, let him throw. That's my pick. Um, but we should definitely get to talking about the next fight, the last fight on the main card, in which I was the lone man on the plus four hundred island of Gerald Mearshart, GM three. Not only beating Mahmoud Muradov, not only beating him, but tapping him out with a second round rear naked choke, cashing one of the biggest underdogs of the year, one of the fights that you said was the clearly the most one-sided. Dude, how shocked were you watching it? And I'll say this, not just in his grappling, his striking looked pretty good too. <laughs> did, I, did I say that? Are you sure I said that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy. Uh, I did not, did not expect that whatsoever um man dude Michael Murdoff was on a 14 fight win streak going into that um he's looked excellent in the UFC and he looked really freaking good early on but I I don't know what it was uh um the gas tank problems I mean GM3 kind of got a rhythm on him and started cracking him but man I put some respect on Gerald Mearshart's name uh I will take the big fat L for that one I was uh supremely confident in Mahmoud Muradov and uh man he made me look like an idiot because uh GM3 baby looked freaking <laughs> good yeah and if uh if Jeff you're listening right now which I'm assuming you listen to this episode before you allow it to get posted anyway 
just know that you're not off the hook for Wednesday. You're going to hear about it on Wednesday, too, uh, because you also crapped all over GM3 pretty much right before he walked out, too. He, I was like, oh, GM3 is about to go make you cry, and uh, then he did. Uh, yeah, I will say this. I, I think the thing for Muradas, and it's part of the reason why I liked GM3 here, too, is that I, I think Muradas hits really hard. I think he's got some really great boxing, but, like, the guys he had knocked out for me – just were guys who didn't have very good defense or very good gas tanks. And it was late in fights twice, right? Like it was Trevor Smith in the third round and he had beaten the piss out of Trevor Smith for, uh, I think it was like 14 minutes. And the same thing with Andrew Sanchez. He had beaten the holy hell out of Andrew Sanchez nonstop for all that time. And like, you know, if you ignore the knockout loss to, to Kamzat Chemaev, which I have no idea how to take in, in this run of time for, for Gerald Mearshart, it's like he's pretty durable. I mean, he was in there with Eric Anders for 15 minutes. He was in there with Kevin Holland for 15 minutes. I mean, like, he's been in there with dudes for long periods of time. I mean, he got knocked out by Tiago Santos, but, like, come on. Like, the, the dude takes a punch. So Yeah, uh, he and, does. And, and I got to give it to him for, for not only taking a punch, but also, like, when he started throwing those overhands and those were landing, too, I, I think it scared Mahmoud. He was like, what the – what is this guy made of? So, um, yeah, uh, awesome on his part, awesome on my part, because, man, do I love GM3 uh, and, and all of the excitement that goes along with a crazy upset victory. We're going to name this the Gerald Mearshart episode, because shout-out to Gerald Mearshart and his plus, damn near plus 400 uh, upset pick here. So I guess I will give it a rest on Gerald Mearshart, because other than him winning there, there's really not much else to say about that fight. We are going to run briefly through the prelims really fast. But before we do, let me tell you about my last couple of sponsors, and we'll do this ad-free. So turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks, my favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast, it's easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide if they will go over or under their stat production. The more players you pick, the more money you can win, up to 10 times your money. Prize Pick is the only way that I play. So let me give you a quick little example here. If you decide that you're watching Sunday Night Baseball tonight and you'd like a whole bunch of Yankees hitters to rack up hits, you take somebody like Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, and let's say uh, we also take DJ LeMahieu, and we say all of them are going to get more than one and a half hits or walks. We're just going to go ahead and put the over on all three of those. You put $20 on that, it would pay out 45 bucks. That's right, 45 bucks. And if you use promo code SGP right now, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's prize pick, promo code SGP. Um, and we're also brought to you by Odds Crowd. If you haven't gotten the Odds Crowd app yet, you are missing out. Go download it now because there's over $30,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs in both season-long and weekly contests for NFL and college football. The boys here at SGPN are take, all taking part, so you can try out and claim bragging rights over us, too. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you can track your bets against real odds and lines, much like you would any pick-tracking app. The most profitable players rise up the leaderboard, and if you have the highest profits at the end of the contest, you win. And OddsCard isn't just fantasy betting contest. It's a social media app for sports bettors. Free to download. You can join live group chats with other bettors. Track your bets. Set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and so much more. Download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com today. All right, let's run through these prelims real quick because we have jabbered on a little bit longer than we typically do. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan sounded like he hit a watermelon with a baseball bat. Is there anything more to say than, God, did he need that win? <laughs> yeah, 
God he needed that win, and man, was that a, a just a fuck, crazy fucking win, right? I mean, yeah. what a beautifully placed head kick. Um, you know, props to Al-Hassan, too, for uh, not going in for the kill after that and realizing that DiSharika was out on contact. Um, you know, and then he, he kind of uh, made everyone cut onions a little bit in the uh, post-fight, but uh, props for him, man. I was really happy for him. Yeah, me too. Um, long time away for weird legal battles that he wound up being proven innocent to. Uh, then three straight losses upon returning, and now he gets a 17-second knockout win to seemingly save his career. Good stuff for him. And yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Shout out to him for not uh, following that up, and shout out to the referee for getting in there as quickly as he could. Um, the next fight was a middleweight bout between Wellington Terman and Sam Alvey. Both me and Jeff had Sam Alvey, but you had Wellington Terman. It was a big win for you, although it was a split decision. <laughs> Thanks to our good friend Adelaide Bird, who we'll be talking about a little bit later in the episode, too. What round do you think Sam Alvey won in that one? <laughs> I don't think Sam Alvey won any round in that one. And, uh, man, talk about weird scorecards. A split decision with 28-27s across the board. Wellington Tournament uh, gets two points deducted in the third round. I mean, a point, you know, points within 20 seconds of each other. And then Sam Alvey just kind of goes bonkers after the fight, but come on, dude, I, I don't think he won that fight, um, I thought Terman deserved the win, and I'm glad that, uh, he got the win, you know, it's, it got a little crazy at the end. Yeah, I will tell you this, by the way, I looked it up, Adelaide Bird gave him the third round, uh, which is just, especially with that last, like, two minutes, seriously wild, so, she, uh, uh, she also gave him a, I guess, an extra point, right, for the eye poke? No, she, she gave him two points off for the eye point, but also gave him a 10-9 for having won that round. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was her, like, giving the point, right? Uh, she, yeah. She, she, she stinks. Yeah, she, and we're going to talk about her a little bit later on, too, so save that energy. Um, I will, I will, don't worry. I will. <laughs> and then we're going to get to Dustin Jacoby putting a beat down on Darren Stewart. I think we all saw this one coming. Um, Darren Stewart is kind of a middleweight fighting at light heavyweight. Uh, it's not a good idea, especially when you're in there. He did get the takedowns early, which I think we we saw was a possibility. He just couldn't keep Jacoby there. And Jacoby, I mean, man, he, he looked real good on the feet here. And it's good to see him finally get a, a TKO finish here, too. Yeah. Uh, dude, he looks really good. That striking is uh, very nice, man. I'm looking at these rankings right now. He probably should be in him, right? Like, he's 3-0-1 with only that weird draw to Ian Kudalaba. Um, but, like, apart, apart from that, like... Would you? I wouldn't say that like I dislike him in a fight with Jamal Hill. Like him versus Jamal Hill would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be a fun one. The other name I was looking at too, that's right around him, is Alonzo Menafield. Yeah, that, I'm, Might I'm be cool a fun with that one. one too. Yeah, and and like again, I just think he's got a striking advantage over a lot of people. So like, granted, like somebody like Jimmy Crew is probably going to ground him and and probably do pretty well because. People get him down, they just don't hold him down, so when you fight somebody like Jimmy Crew, he might get held down, but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I think he's, his resurgence has been a lot of fun, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, too. Dustin Jacoby, super nice dude, so, good win on him, uh, hopefully we see him with a high-profile match next. Um, not much to say about J.J. Aldridge absolutely dismantling Vanessa Demopoulos, other than she's not a flyweight, she shouldn't be in there fighting flyweights, and she had a terrible time with J.J. Aldrich. Anything more to add other than that? No, I'd say, you know, she looked she looked good. It was a good win for her. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have much uh, on the technical side for it. I do have a lot to say about Pat Sabatini heel-hooking Jamal Emmers, which, by the way, I did have Pat Sabatini. 
I had put a little bit of money on him to win by submission as well, which made that feel a little bit extra good. They go toehold for heel hook, and let me tell you something, toehold doesn't win that one very often. Uh, and, man, dude, it, it looked very good. Uh, you usually don't see – I mean, I know I tweeted it to you that night. Do you think this will stop UFC announcers from saying to stop going for heel hooks and because you get punched? Man, I, I hope it does because that, that heel hook from Sabatini was slick. Yeah, I saw a stat too. Like, I feel like the stat was like in the last two or three years, there's been like 13 uh, leg submissions in the UFC as opposed to the previous two or three years where there was only uh, three. And, you know, you see it in the uh, the metagame now of Jiu-Jitsu. Leg locks are just such such a prominent and dominant force in the game. And, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's just some uneducation, right? I mean, you know, if, if you're not well-versed in the legs, you've seen many times where guys go for – There's a, here's the thing, too. There's a difference between going for a, a, a set-up leg lock and just a sloppy, I'm going to grab the legs and then get my face punched. You know what I'm saying? Where Sabatini had the, the leg fully controlled, and again, like you said, the toe hold is not going to win most of the times against the heel hook, right? Um, so Emmers was thinking about the toe hold, obviously, instead of punching. But, yeah, I I hope that it – it gets them to stop saying it, um, especially the more leg locks we see and uh, just really impressive stuff from Sabatini. And I hope Emmers is okay because, man, that looked painful. I mean, again, he kind of, you know, he wasn't even trying to, to defend the heel. So I, I don't know. Maybe he just felt comfortable in the position, but it looked like his leg got torn up. Yeah, he said he's going for – on his Instagram live story, he said he's going to uh, get an MRI on Monday. It's already scheduled for him. I don't have high hopes for what that looks like because he didn't even – worth noting, he didn't tap. He just yelled, um, and that ended the fight. So, that, I mean, that's the, – to me, that's fairly telling. Uh, and it, if certainly if you've got some freeze frames, it doesn't look all that good. I will also say this about Helic attempts too, and I, I feel like I should defend them a little bit here, is that, like, there's also a difference between uh, Ryan Hall – Pat Zabatini, Tiago Moises going for heel hooks. And, like, you know, no offense here, Caitlin Chokagian going for a heel hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between those things. And, like, I think that's part of why the announcers are always, like, you're right, 100%, first of all. It is education. But another reason is, is, like, they say that about everybody who does it without recognizing that there are some people who are very well-versed in what they're doing. Dude, Pat Zabatini looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. It looked great on so many different fronts. The rotation was great. He looked like he had a great grip on it. It looked like he turned it perfectly. He readjusted like three or four times to make sure he had it the way he wanted to before he popped it. Like, I just think there's also a difference in level here, and I think that ought to be respected in certain situations, but... Um, bottom line is Pat Zabatini, another Daniel Gracie guy who is just wrecking things right now. It's him, Sean Brady, Petrovsky, and Jeremiah Wells just wrecking things for that team in Philly, which I, I think we ought to be talking about more. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that is a crew right there. And they all fight the same way, too, which is also insane. Um, they're all grinders with great submission skills. So, um, and then last but not least, speaking of cutting onions, like you mentioned before, Mana Martinez <laughs> uh, wins a split decision 
Again, the good lady, Adelaide Bird, uh, did say that he did not win the fight, uh, despite the other two judges uh, understanding that he did win the fight and that that was the correct move. Um, and uh, he wins this one 29-28, throws it up to his late co- coach, Sal Solis, um, which was sad. He died 11 days prior, which was three days after Mana was supposed to make his UFC debut. Um I mean, I don't really have all that much to say. He he looked a little bit – I feel bad saying this after all that. He looked a little bit less good than I expected him to be, which could have been obviously the circumstances and the weight cut and everything else. Guido Canetti hung in there and certainly made a dogfight out of it, but uh, at least Adelaide didn't screw this up along with another judge, just against two other judges. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, cutting on you here, man, but what a way to open up the card – the right guy won. Could you imagine, like, fighting with that heavy heart and then getting chipped out of a fucking judge's decision? I mean, thank God the right guy won, right? And, and uh, man, yeah, that was, that was, that was a bit heart-wrenching, man. He fought with a heavy heart, and for him to come out there and fight like that, you know, it seemed like the weight cut was tough. He went through a lot, so I'm going to chalk that up, you know, him not looking as great up to that. But, uh, man, whenever you're ready to bash an Adelaide Bird, I'm ready. Yeah, and, and thank God, I will say this, three split decisions on a card, which is kind of a lot, right, uh, especially for a card of this size, you know, only 12 fights total, that means 25% of the fights went to a split decision, all of the right people won. So at the end of the day, I don't care, uh, but man, stop her from judging fights, she's awful. Um, well, how, yeah, like, how, like, how does she keep getting these gigs, like, who, like, who, shouldn't there be some sort of review where, like, same as referees, right? Like, we've seen referees kind of phased out where, like, once they start slipping, like, the plug kind of gets pulled. And I feel like that should even happen more because we see some guys, like, constantly make bad calls. And again, like, she's constantly making bad calls. Shouldn't there be some sort of panel or something that was reviewing her license that can suspend it or make her go back for some sort of training or something? I, Dude, I don't get it. She's constantly making bad calls. I'm assuming she's got lewd pictures of Bob Bennett. I think that that's the only example. <laughs> that's the only possibility why she's still working. So um, speaking of robberies, and I'm just going to use this as one last note before we sign off here. I, I do have to say, while it was an exciting night with tons of finishes, it feels wrong to me that Brady Highstand versus Ricky Tercios does not win fight of the night on this card. Those guys see no extra cash. Uh, for the record, the bonuses handed out, no fight of the night bonus, um, left left those two hanging completely. Instead, four performance of the night bonuses, they go to Giga Chikadze for his knockout of Edson Barboza, Gerald Mearshart for his rear naked choke of Mahmoud Muradov, Abdul Razak Hassan for his head kick uh, over Alessio DiCirco, and the aforementioned Pat Sabatini with his heel hook on Jamal Emers, and those two just stay with, you know, whatever pathetic salary level, you know, a tough graduate gets in a finale. And it just, I, I just had to mention it because I was looking at the bottom of the Wikipedia page and, and I didn't stay up to listen to who got the bonuses. But man, dude, does that feel wrong to you or what? Uh, it does, yeah. I, I had not noticed either until just now. Um, that fight was awesome, man. That fight was really good. And obviously there's big stakes for it too. They just won, it was damn Ultimate Fighter finale. Like, you made such a big deal about the Ultimate Fighter coming back, the return of the Ultimate Fighter. Like, reward the guys. They put on, again, like, I don't want to take money out of anybody else's pocket or whatever, but, yeah, that fight deserved fight of the night. 
Yeah, and, and like, don't get me wrong, I love that Gerald Mearshart scored the upset, and I'm going to bring up Gerald Mearshart one more time before we sign off, because I can. Um, I love that he scored the upset, but that performance, to me, doesn't scream 50K like that Brady Highstand Ricky Tercios fight does, right? Like, that's the fight that Dana White wants. You know, freaking Paul Felder compared it to, to Forrest, Forrest versus, Rick, yeah. versus Stefan Bonner, and I don't think the comparison was wrong. Like, it was a war, and it took place in more places than than Bonner Griffin did. So, yeah, it just seems like kind of a bummer that they got left out. But uh, I suppose that does it for UFC 235 once again. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our picks on Wednesday, because whether you were following Jeff, me, or Kurt, uh, you made some money last night. So we hope that you guys listened to our picks, especially the Gerald Mearshart pick, because uh, that's the one that matters. Um, and remember that you can catch us again on Wednesday. We're going to be previewing, uh, UFC Vegas 36, um, which I guess is, is being headlined. Um, let me see if I can remember this. Now I, I dropped my notes out. Darren in Till and, oh, uh, Darren Till and, and Derek Brunson. So just watching, uh, Derek Brunson wrestle fuck somebody else again for 15 or 25 minutes again. Um, and then, is now being awkwardly co-main evented by Tom Aspinall versus late replacement Sergey Spivak. Uh, so, you know, it's a barn burner of a card. Uh, but we'll be getting to that on Wednesday. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the SGPN uh, feed, but also subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast feed, because remember, you can only get the MMA Gambling episodes in the MMA Gambling feed, um, although you can get some of them on the SGPN one. Uh, to make sure that you do not miss any of them, make sure you subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast-specific feed. You can also download those episodes right in the SGPN app, which I should mention is now live in the App Store and the Google Play Store, and it gives you easy access to all the picks, podcasts, and news. Don't forget to toss an app review and download it wherever it is you download apps as well. And, of course, remember that you can check out uh, all of my writing at the Sports Gambling Podcast or MMA-Manifesto, uh, which are the two places I typically write the most often. You should also check out uh, this week's Top Turtle MMA Podcast, where I should be, although I haven't done the interview yet, should be interviewing uh, Dustin Jacoby about his big win this past weekend. So it should be a fun time on there. And, of course, check out all of Kurt's work as well. You can find him on Twitter at KCPKO, which is where you can find a lot of that stuff. And also follow his podcast at The Fix Fights Pod. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Kurt Chase Patrick, and we will catch you on Wednesday.